welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. Join your host, Rhonda Arl and Laura Forehand. We want to help you as teachers reach your full potential by keeping you up to date with all the latest and best Whole Brain Teaching strategies. Whole Brain Teaching is a grassroots educational reform movement founded by Coach Chris Biffle, Jay Vanderfin, and Chris Rexstad. Whole Brain Teaching's goal is to create peaceful classrooms through orderly fun. To support the podcast, please like and share with other teachers. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. And now, here are Laura and Rhonda. Welcome to Whole Brain Teaching the Podcast. I'm Laura Forehand. And as always, I'm here with my wonderful Whole Brain Teaching best friend, Rhonda. How are you today, Rhonda? I'm doing great, Laura. It's good to be here. And Coach B is joining us on the podcast again today. Can you believe it? Isn't that awesome? I mean, this is so exciting. No, Coach has brought to us um, a lot of wisdom on this start of season four of the podcast. He's brought us incredible information on the ultimate whole brain teaching classroom, power rings, and the seven skills of the greatest whole brain teaching instructors. Today will be no exception. We want to encourage you to check out those first three episodes of this season. But today, Coach is back to talk about one of the most challenging teacher issues that we're having right now, and that is blurting. Welcome back to the podcast, Coach. I can't wait. I was up early this morning, and maybe we got a wonder for everybody. I'm sure it's going to help out a lot of teachers out there. Okie doke. So let's just frame up what's going on with blurting. Blurting is, uh, Laura, the most prevalent classroom management problem. It's not the worst. It's the most prevalent. Mm -hmm. Uh, And our numbers indicate that as bad as it was last year, I think it might be worse this year. Last year, we did, as you both know, a nationwide survey. We asked teachers to count the number of blurts in five minutes. And the nationwide average was two blurts a minute. That means once every 30 seconds, a kid is interrupting instruction. You know, in the old days, they had these cords that you would pull on a train or a subway. So the kid is pulling the cord on the train or subway, stopping instruction every 30 seconds. Laura, you've been teaching for a while. Do you think it is worse this year? Or what What do you think, girl? Yeah, coach, I have to say this is probably my worst year with blurters. And of course, I try to, you know, figure out, well, why is that? And as I was telling you before we even hit the record button, it's not always like a beloved rascal that's blurting out. Sometimes it's somebody that's just trying to be helpful or, you know, one of my star students that is like finishing my sentence because they know what I'm going to say. So it's not always like the beloved rascal making unnecessary noise over there in the corner. Yeah. Uh, All right. So this podcast is, is blurting driving you cuckoo? That's what we're talking about here. Uh, We're glad you're here today. But the numbers this year seem to indicate, I 
I'm looking at Facebook a lot. A sample teacher counted the number of blurts in five minutes and had over 55. And that's over 10 blurts a minute. And then she did a timer again for another five minutes. And she was thrilled that she only had 30 blurts in five minutes. Uh, that's serious. And mm -hmm. I seen numbers that high last year, but I think it's, it's, it may be worse. It's something we've got to, we've got to curb. So seven strategies. First of all, you've got to establish a blurt baseline. As hard as it is, and in some ways, Laura, it'll be easy for you. Just, just teach for five minutes. Uh, don't scold, don't redirect, tally mark the number of blurts, uh, and then tell kids the number and, and get their directions. So step one, let's get a blurt baseline to see if we're getting anywhere. Rhonda, tell us how important it is to know where you started so you can tell if you're getting anywhere. Well, exactly. So we have to record this baseline, just recording tallies. You're not going to redirect or address the issue. Just record those tallies because we need to see if we can make an improvement. So we have to have that baseline. Yeah. I'm going to change this on the fly from eight, from seven steps to eight. So here's step number two. Laura, listen to me, dear sister. Step number two is the iron law. Never, ever respond to a blurt okay. by saying anything, by answering it, by engaging it. And Laura, this goes even in the last half hour of the day when you're out of gas and they're packing up. Iron Law. If you're speaking in my classroom without raising your hand for permission to speak, I am not going to respond in an ordinary fashion to that. Laura, cards on the table. Mm -hmm. Isn't it true that sometimes we're responding to blurts and sometimes we're not and sometimes the rule is on and sometimes we're fed up and now I'm really serious, but now I'm in a good mood. Laura, if we're going to reduce the blurting, it's got to be no blurting, no blurting zone. Laura, are you guilty sometimes of answering a blurt? Well, if people could see me, I just keep shaking my head yes. So I have been very guilty. And when I think about that, it's like when I respond to their blurting by answering or engaging them, I'm kind of like giving them permission to blurt. Yes, you did. Yeah. This is the way we like to see it in whole brain teaching. We like to localize the problem with us rather than the kids because we've got a pretty good shot at changing us. So iron law. Now, when I say don't respond, I mean don't answer the question. Right. The way I want you to respond is you are going to say two and everyone else is going to say raise your hand for permission to speak. That is our next strategy. You're responding with two, and everyone says, raise your hand for permission to speak. Or you simply raise your hand and stare at the kid 
until they raise their hand. Effective, and I hadn't thought it up until right now. So if you want, you say two, they all say raise your hand for permission to speak. Or a kid blurts, sweet, rascally, whatever, eyeball them with a grin because you're building connections. Raise your hand. They will raise their hand, and then you can respond. So, Rhonda, explain this double thing here. The only way that we're going to respond to a blurt is to not respond to a blurt. Go ahead, Rhonda. The way we're not responding is by saying rule two and have the class respond back, raise your hand for permission to speak, or we as a teacher will raise our hand, stare at the child, but with a grin on our face, until they raise their hand, and then you can reply back. All right. Next step. Now, Laura, if that last one was the iron rule, this one is the plutonium rule or even, even iron. Laura, talking to great whole brain teachers, and you're one of them, and you, you've told me this before, Andrea Schindler, many others are saying, look, we've got – to stop delivering blurt generating lessons. Mm -hmm. Think to yourself, reflect during the day, when did I get the most blurts? You get the most blurts in transitions or when you've talked too long or when it isn't game on. So master the magic circle. Every person out there on Teachers Pay Teachers, download Best practices magic circle. We lay it out for you there exactly how you can deliver lessons that move right along, that don't have gaps in them. So a kid blurts, you say rule two, and in between, you are teaching highly engaging lessons. That will reduce the blurting. Laura, what do you say? You agree that the better your math, less blurting. Yes, 100%. Um, and using that magic circle, like you said, that that gives kids the opportunity to to do the talking, but it's very in a very controlled manner. Yes. Uh, the more time you give kids for on-task talking, the less off-task talking you'll get. Mm -hmm. All right. Next step. Now, in chapter eight of the new book, I have a game called Blurty, which I strongly recommend. The way you play Blurty is you take a beloved rascal, Rhonda, and you give him a stopwatch. Rhonda, explain to me how much attention you have from a beloved rascal when you give him a stopwatch. Go. Oh, they're going to be thrilled to have that stopwatch and be in, in control. Yeah. So I think maybe you set the stopwatch only for two minutes. Whenever anyone blurts, the counter, that's the kid with the stopwatch, says rule two and makes a tally mark. And so... The kid who's been doing a lot of blurting is likely less likely to blurt when they're counting other people blurt. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying this is perfect, but blurty is the idea that we're going to set classroom records 
for the number of blurts in a given period of time. And we're going to get other teachers in the school to play along with us because everybody's got this problem. Let's start posting our best times on the door and saying, Mrs. Johnson in second grade, she thinks she thinks her kids will blurt less than ours. Oh, let's just give her a lesson. Laura, explain blurty, stopwatch, kid as the counter, etc. Go. Yeah. So blurty in chapter eight of the new book of your new yeah. book, yeah. Um, you we give beloved rascals a stopwatch and maybe have it for two minutes and they are the counter. So every time there's a blurt, they will say rule two and make a tally mark. And hopefully if it's your worst blurter that is um, in control of the stopwatch, hopefully you know, they won't be blurting at the same time that they're doing that. Now, listen to me. Laura and Rhonda, do not try a strategy for less than two weeks steady before you decide it might not be working. If it's reducing the blurting at all, stick with it. It's a long year. We have some of our new whole brain teachers who broke out stories and then they weren't happy with it and now they got super improver and now they're juggling scoreboard and it's quite juggle, <laughs> quite difficult for an for experienced whole brain teacher to juggle three games at the same time. So try the strategies. Stories works, just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. But try strategies for two weeks. Don't try something and then give up on it and come back to it. All right, let's summarize. One, iron rule. Don't answer a blurt. Two, use the rule to call out. Either raise your hand or call it out. Three, keep working in that magic circle. Laura, in tennis, there's only about four or five basic strokes, but great tennis players will be practicing those to the end of their days. Mm -hmm. There's only four or five stops around the magic circle, and the more you practice them, the smoother, more elegant, more fluent they become. Yes. And our next one is to play blurty. Now, two more strategies. I talked to Andrea Schindler, co-founder of Whole Brain Teaching this morning. And she said, look, coach, we used to have a thing called magic timer. We'd start a stopwatch and we'd see how long we could go before we had, let's say, five blurts. All right. Let's practice not blurting for a while. And if I see you guys are reducing the blurting, we'll start the stopwatch again. And let's see if we can beat our record for five blurts in five minutes. If we do, everybody gets a super improver star and everybody gets a dice roll. Just keep running the five minute record for five blurts and then level it up with four blurts and three blurts. The thing is, Laura, we can't stop blurting all day unless we can get them to reduce the blurting in five minute segments. Mm -hmm. 
explain this. We'll call this the magic timer. Go ahead. Yeah, I remember this magic timer. And so you're setting a timer for five minutes, seeing how many times they blurt. And then your goal is to continue to practice not blurting, but then set another five minute timer, see if we can reduce it. That would, if you can improve on the number of blurts by going down, then everybody could get a super improver star in a dice roll. Yeah. Now, obviously, Rhonda, none of this works unless you're really milking super improver, unless you're really rewarding for improvement. And it especially doesn't work, Rhonda, if you have a slap dash super improver display. It ought to look gorgeous. It should have taken you hours to put it together. It should be colorful and laminated and uh there are teachers out there who are producing super improver displays that are works of art. And guess what? Those are the ones that are having the most effect on kids. Rhonda, explain the importance of having a good looking motivator in your classroom. Well, absolutely. You have to sell it. So the super improver display needs to be flashy. It needs to be, you spend a lot of time in it to get the kids to buy into it. And we, I've seen some awesome ones on the Facebook pages. Mm -hmm. All right. Now here's brand new. The game is called Gamer and do not play it until you've really walked down these other steps and polished them and gotten as much good out of them as you can. It's a long year. We're going to give this to our hot flashes who will be classroom testing it. So stay tuned on Facebook. So I'm going to ask you to consider what is a major problem in instruction with blurting or anything else, we're not able to have any penalties in whole brain teaching because we don't believe in removing stars and we don't believe in scolding. All we wanna do is strengthen connections. So we don't have in the traditional sense a consequence. But Laura, if you're playing basketball and the ball goes out of the hoop, that's a consequence. Mm -hmm. You're not going to win every time. And if you're playing on a basketball team that has 10 players, only five of them can be in the game at a time. And sometimes as you get older, the coach says, I'm going to put the five kids in the game who are working the hardest. You mm -hmm. want to get off the bench? Then push it. And I'll put you in and I'll take you out and I'll put you in and I'll take you out. That coaching metaphor of some kids on the bench and some kids in the game and kids working hard to get off the bench and knowing that they could go back on the bench if they're not making the team stronger, that's what Gamer does that we've never been able to do before. Laura, we've never been able to take a kid out of the game because that feels like a penalty. Mm. Explain the problem we've had and how desperately you hope that Gamer solves it. Go ahead. Yeah, so that's true. We don't take away super improver stars. Um, 
you know, as far as like for in, individuals, like when I'm thinking about the scoreboard, that's a class motivator. So yeah, you can get, you know, you can get a turtle tally mark for that. But the thing I like about the new gamer is that kids can be in the game or out of the game, you know, at the coach's discretion. Um, if they're, if they're really playing the game, well, you want them in the game, you know, that's if right. they're struggling, you kind of want to pull them out, get them on the bench, maybe have a chat with them. All right, so I want everybody to visualize this. Visualize a computer screen. And on the bottom half of the screen, left side to right side is a gray box. And that's labeled bench. On the top half of the screen is a green box. And that's labeled in the game. So there's only two areas on the computer screen, gray on the bench, green in the game. Rhonda, describe the two areas on the screen. All right. So we have at the bottom of your screen, a gray box that goes left to right, and that is titled bench. And then above it, we have a green box and it goes left to right also. And this is labeled in the game. Yes. Now, We are going to make this available not as a Google slide, Laura, but as an animation that all you have to do is click on it to move players around. So it's point, click, a kid goes in the game, point, click, a kid comes out of the game. Explain the joy from the kid's point of view of seeing them Boom, I'm in the game. Whoops, I'm out of the game. I got to get back in the game. Explain the point click. You've seen some point click stuff. Mm -hmm. All clickables. Go, Laura. Yeah. So on this one, the same thing. Yeah. Um, like the clickables that you have for um, CVC words that you're you're doing and also sentences. So when, when the kids, you know, we want to move them from the bench to in the game, we're just going to click on their number and it moves them into the game and vice versa. So if we kind of see think they need... A little more practice before they're in the game. We're going to click on them to move them to the bench from in the game. Okay. Now, Could you explain to them? We're not having the student names on there, correct? What are we doing? Absolutely not. It's numbers. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So now let's talk about the bottom bench gray area. There are as many cubes there as you have kids. I've set it up so that there are 30 cubes. Nice, cute little cubes, about half the size of a Lego. Each cube is numbered. In the game are the same set of numbers, let's say 1 to 25. So when you click on a kid who's in the bench, now visualize this when you click on a kid who's in the bench, on the bench, you click on number one, that gray cube rises, spins, turns yellow, and gets much bigger when it's in the game. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, boy, was that exciting just to get in the game. I'll say that again. You click the gray cube, kid number one. It instantly rises, spins, turns yellow, and enlarges, and takes the number one spot in the game. 
The kid is now in the game, and he's gotten a dopamine thrill just by seeing his cube rise, spin, enlarge, and change to bright yellow. Mm-hmm. Laura, explain that visual. Yeah, I'm looking at what you what you sent us before the podcast, and so like you know, I'm thinking when my my beloved rascal is number four in my classroom. So yeah. just to tap on that number four and see it rise, spin and get bigger and turn yellow. So going from gray, which is kind of drab to this bright yellow color and sit in that number four box that that tells them right then and there and in a very exciting and engaging way that they're in the game now. All right. So now there's lots of ways to use this. Let's just talk about blurting. You set it and you say, listen, we're going to play some practice game. So don't freak out if you go from being in the game to on the bench. This is what professionals do. It's what everybody who plays any team sports, sometimes they're in the game and sometimes they're on the bench. And when you're on the bench, that's a good time act in a way that convinces the coach you should go back. Mm -hmm. If you cry and sob on the bench, we don't need you back in the game right now. We need you to get under control. All right, so here's how you're going to play, Laura. Set a timer for five minutes. Explain the mechanics. Explain this is a practice game. It doesn't count for anything. And you're teaching along. And... You see, Maria's not blurting. You click on Maria. Boop, she's in the game. Teaching law. Oh, Harry, you're not blurting. Whoop, in the game. Micah, you're not blurting. Whoop, in the game. Just go for five minutes, and as long as kids are not blurting, you're just clicking on them and moving them in the game. A kid starts blurting who's in the game now. A good coach does not pull anybody out of the game as soon as they make a mistake. Explain that. We're trying to reduce blurting. I know it's hard for you. You blurt once. I'm not pulling you out of the game. But after you blurt a little bit, then I think it's time for a reset. I will click on you. And this is the gasping moment, Laura. A kid is a big yellow number four. Mm. You click on that four and spin, shrink, (laughs) change to gray. Mm. You're on top of the world and now you're on the bench. That emotional shift is so attention grabbing. You've got to play the game enough so the kids know how games are played. So the kids understand team sports. So Sometimes you decide that you're going to pull a kid out of the game because you think another kid needs to be in the game. Maybe I'm pulling a kid out because I think they're doing well, but I need someone else in that spot. So all you're doing with in with Gamer is you're putting kids in the game and out of the game in practice, getting them used to being recognized, having a thrill, working their way off the bench. All of the mechanics that team sports, which are colossally motivating to all kids are now present in gamer explain it laura yeah so yeah this is this is exciting so we set the timer for five minutes and we're just telling the kids that we're practicing we kind of explain you know explain the game if they're not blurting we go nice job maria we're i'm putting you in the game you know we click on them they turn it turns yellow 
I think the thing that really struck me that I'm going to have to really take inventory of coach is I was thinking, oh, that first blurt, I'm pulling you out of the game. So I love what you said that, you know, the first time they blurt, you don't necessarily pull them out of the game. Um, You might like get proximity, get close to them and like whisper, hey, I'd love to keep you in the game. Let's, you know, or whatever you want to redirect, work harder. Um, But the more they blurt, the more you realize that we need to bring them back to the bench to reset um, and, and have the, then the kids get to see kind of what, what we said a minute ago, but in reverse. So they, that big yellow rectangle comes down and turns and goes into this little small gray area. So, yeah. Um, so now when you play the game for real, you play it for five minutes Anybody who's still in the game when the five-minute timer sounds, they all get a super improver star and a dice roll. And if they win a bonus star, we want them to give it away to some of the improving players on the bench. That's it. Um, Now, the difficulty I see is that kids – are going to be crushed by being pulled out of the game. But we have kindergartners, we have first and second graders who are playing team sports, and being pulled out of the game is not a punishment. It's a rest time, it's a reset time. And so uh, we have to teach them that sometimes I'm pulling you out of the game, because you're doing well, and I need to put someone else in. I think that's what I'm going to explain. And then when the game's over, you can ask me. Don't ask me during the game. I don't have time to explain what I'm doing. But after the game, you say, Coach, how come you bench me? And I'll say, you know, you are doing well, but I have my eye on some couple other players over here. I want to see how they do. Uh, and Or I saw you just – I saw a pattern – of blurting. I saw a pattern of bad pass, bad pass, bad pass. It's time for you to just stop and watch other people play. If you can get around that corner, and I believe you can, this is going to be an incredible game. What do you think, Rhonda? I just had one question that I thought of. Is there a limit of how many that can be in the game? I've set it up so that there are 30 spots on the bench and 30 spots in the game. So it's up to the teacher. It's up to the teacher. Now, here's another variation. Laura, you put a squad in the game, three, four, five kids. You put them all in the game at the start. All right. I'm starting the timer. I'm going to see how you kids do with blurting. And we'll count the blurts. All right. You guys had five blurts in five minutes. I'm taking that squad out. I like this game. I'm putting in another squad. Here's five kids. You see what the other squad did. How many blurts are you going to have in five minutes? The beauty of this version, and notice that I'm figuring this out as I go. The beauty of this version is I can practice squads. Nobody individually gets pulled out. The whole squad is in. The whole squad comes out. And then, ladies, Friday is the big game. I pick the best players. And they're the starters. Oh, the starters. Are you going to be a starter on Friday? Let's see how you do. 
And notice when I pull out Jack and he was a starter, he's okay because he knows that I'm putting in somebody else who's going to ask some Wonder Word questions. Explain the squad routine, Laura. This I like way we don't, have, we don't have anybody depressed. Yeah, no. no, I like, okay, there's a couple reasons I really like the squad. So you start with three or four students, you put them all in the game. And then after five, you know, you count their blurts for five minutes and then you take them all out and you put in another um, squad of players and count their blurts. And then Friday is going to be your big game where you just put your best kids in. They're the starters. And if you think about it like a basketball game, that's what coaches do anyway, right? You practice all week long and then that determines kind of who's going to maybe play the game on Friday night when there's a basketball game. But here's what I really like about this coach um, it gives, cause I don't know about you, Rhonda, when you taught, but I always have kids that gravitate to their best friend and they always want to be with their best friend. And this gives kids a chance to work with everybody in their classroom. They have to work as a squad, right? So you've got these three or four that maybe they never play together at recess or they, you know, when you say pair up with a partner, they don't pick each other. You can purposefully you know, put some of your um, kids together in a squad. What a great way to teach them how to work with all different kinds of personalities and people. So I, I, that's the first like thing that I was just like, that's such a great idea because you're going to be able to get kids together that maybe wouldn't normally want to, or choose to work with each other. The other thing I would do, because one teacher on Facebook said my class is pretty good on blurting, but it's four or five kids who are doing most of the blurting. I wouldn't make any big deal out of it. I just put a squad of blurters on there and say, all right, you guys are lively, you're energetic, you have a lot to say. Let's see how you play the blurty game. Mm -hmm. Talk to each other, huddle up, get together, talk to each other. You've seen what these other kids, what their records are. you got to go five minutes, see how you do. So many different ways to do this, and it hits so many different uh, points. Now, if you're a listener and you want an advanced version of anything, you need to join. You need to put a passionate application to the hot flashes. This is our beta test group. Put it on Super Improver. It is not the hot flashers. That's another organization. We're not hot flashers. We are hot flashes. Put a passionate uh, note convincing us that you'd like to beta test and get advanced uh, help uh, and advanced opportunity to use some of our new strategies. All right. That's as good as I can do. I really think the gamer thing, especially with squads, is going to be a wonder. If anybody listened to this very long one this time, but God bless us all. We're going to reduce the blurting. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, you're coming up with so many amazing ideas that are helping teachers. But the one thing that you said during this podcast, Coach, and Rhonda and I have talked about this before, is really giving these strategies a try. Yep. One day is not going to cement any of these strategies you really have to give it you know a good two three weeks and you have to use it with fidelity uh, that goes with just 
anything when it comes to whole brain teaching, even the magic circle. If I'm not using that, then I'm going to see behaviors changing. So I love that you said that. And that was, that was such a great takeaway for me. And as always, we are so thankful that you agreed to come on the podcast for another week, coach, especially um, to help teachers and administrators with what feels like the number one classroom problem today. Um, you have so many amazing irons in the fire. As we've heard, you're even like coming up with new ideas as we speak, which is amazing, but it's such a wonderful time to be a, a whole brain teacher. Um, so we are so thankful for our listeners. We want to encourage those of you listening to head over to Amazon to order a copy of Coach's latest book, Whole Brain Teaching for Challenging Kids, the second edition. Go grab that today. You will not be sorry. Everything that he's talked about on the last four podcasts are in that book. And also check out our Whole Brain Teaching website, www.wholebrainteaching.com for information and videos about Whole Brain Teaching. And lastly, don't forget to check out our Whole Brain Teaching official store on Teachers Pay Teachers for all those free Whole Brain Teaching resources. Absolutely. You got to love free. Yeah. We, along with so many teachers and administrators around the world, appreciate you so much, Coach. To our listeners, a big thank you. Remember to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with all your teacher friends and administrators. We couldn't do it without you. Until next time, bye-bye.